The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The Sharon Kleiner Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleiner. I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, Power of Water. This show, worldwide with Voice America, World Talk Radio, and Apple iTunes, we are excited about the, all these wonderful customers guests that we get on every throughout the week, throughout the years. We're starting our sixth year. Each guest has added something of value to our health issues of life for us to consider. Yes, the theme is always power of water, because without the water, there'd be no earth, but also the water and the humidity is vital. That humidity you're living with is vital. As I have said many times on this show, the moment you were born, you left a pocket of water from your mother and it, from the nurture, and you entered in that delivery room without the water. The humidity in the air is your resource to detoxify and keep you agile, flexible, and keep you alive as an organism must have water. The water you're drinking, though, you must, many of people forget, is vital to your, this as a solvent. Drinking water is vital. Now, when you look out at Earth as the nature of life on Earth, have you ever noticed without the rain, everybody gets concerned? Earth needs the water. And when the rain comes down, it pulls water out of the air, moisture out of the air. But when the rain stops, there's humidity in the air. And let's pray for clean humidity. The aquifers below are vital. Because when Earth first formed and began the water coming down from the atmosphere, it pounded down through the surface into what I would call aquifers in modern time to fill up aquifers like caves throughout all of Earth in the center of this Earth. Those aquifers have to be kept healthy and full and alive. If they're not, you will not have water at the surface for the streams, the lakes, and the rivers that give us the opportunity to give us the water of health to keep all life on earth alive. The soil is alive, and what happened is when the humidity is in the air and the water is on the surface for irrigation and watering and the rains come down, the soil stays alive. So that also participates in life on earth. It's not complicated, but it's what happens with life on earth, or we die. We don't have any more water. And the responsibility to all of us is exciting, actually. It's a lot of fun to look out every day and know that when you're looking at soil, soil, the living soil, and the farmers that have been on our show through the years and 
professors and different PhDs and doctors and authors have realized without soil, there is no water. Without water, there's no soil. They go together. It's alive. It's a living organism. But the moisture in the air, humidity, is the water in the air that keeps us all alive. The water in the air, the water attracting temperature, it is vital, the humidity. As you've known, I've talked about indoor conditions. Whatever happened way back in time, my alarm and my research proved that when you're living indoors too commonly every day and working indoors because of the insulation of walls and windows and forced air heating and cooling, that is so seriously dehydrating us. Water must be in the air at a, at a balance to keep you detoxified. Indoor conditions are a pit. So try to be outdoors. And when you're outdoors, take that breath of in and out. Drink your t- eight to ten glasses of water from the moment you get up out of bed. Start your first glass. And then always be wanting to learn to be more proactive. Do something to pay back, to give back to the earth of what's in nature to you, what's your, your earth, but also do what is so important for yourself. You are that important. Earth today, 46% of people on earth do not have water pipe to their homes. And much of that problem has been a, a, ch- a challenge and of uh, women in the world to, uh, uh, to be able to make sure they can bring the water to the home. So some of these women are having to walk 3.74 miles a day. And if, you, if you're carrying those jugs and you happen to get a broken ankle or a a spring back or a broken arm or you fall down and you have to start all over and go get it again because the family has to survive with the water that day. 3% of the earth is only water. Only 1% of that 3%, I mean fresh water, 3% is fresh water. Only 1% is available for us to use. So those women that are carrying that water every day in those countries of the world, please, Look them up and see what you could do to participate because they are unbelievable surviving their families. And remember, if they don't have piped water, they don't have sanitation. I want to thank you for listening, and we're really excited about two of the guests today. We have Bob Beaupre. Bob is a former congressman from uh, Tombstone, Arizona. We're going to talk about water issues and I'm sure a lot of other things that are very exciting that I think you're going to like listening to. We love to hear those facts. Then we have Susan Wilking Horan. Susan has had cancer. She's a survivor, an author, and she has a course called the Single Source of Cancer Course. That's going to be interesting. So always remember, if you've got that in the back of your mind. And we just heard over the weekend some of the latest news results that they're finding that infections can cause cancer, which makes sense because of the toxification of the body. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Biologic Aquas Research, Nature's Tears Eye Mist. Did you know that the surface of your eye in the tear film is 99% water, and when the eye drop touches the eye, it causes a dehydration Nature Sears Eye Mist is 100% natural, tissue culture grade of water to mist to supplement the eyes with a moisture benefit. Well, listen to our sponsor, and we'll be back with Bob. Listen. Listen. 
The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Bob, are you with us? I, I sure am, Sharon. It's nice to be talking with you. Well, I'm honored to be talking to you. Uh, I know you're an ex-congressman, but thank you for serving your country and representing all of us. And that's hard work. Well, it's a, it's a privilege uh, to be part of, uh, I hope, part of the solution, not part of the problem. Sometimes we wonder, though. Well, Bob, you know, um, they're talking nowadays about how the lack of confidence, but they don't realize that <clears throat> the people who represent us in the business of our government, I'll call it a business plan, hopefully. I know what's been going on lately. They don't have a budget, but the business of it all is so vital to how a concern we all have living in America and the soil we're living on in America and getting up every day and everybody is individual. And uh, But today, before we start on the issues you're going to be on here for, I noticed in some of your information here you, uh, when you were a congressman that you your motto or your, your mission was analyzing uh, success and failures and opportunities for uh, the re- well you were a republican I'll tell the world that and uh working with uh many many issues and um, the issues of some of the concerns you've had and then uh we'll go into the water situ- issue that discussion we we're going to talk about today Sure well I I I went to Congress with a, a great deal of what I always call real-world experience. I grew up on a family farm, did that with my parents in partnership uh, for uh, more than 20 years after I got out of college. Uh, then we did some real estate developing. I, I ran uh, and was the majority owner of a, a community bank. We grew it from 4 million assets to 400 million. Uh, then I went to Congress, uh, was involved in politics, of course, took my, my life experience, especially business experience, uh, back there to try to make a difference. And uh, since time, uh, we've uh, we've gone back to the land. We've uh, been able to purchase a ranch up in Colorado's mountains, and we're, mm-hmm. we're raising buffalo. Uh, my wife and I and one um. of our sons is managing the place. So still involved very much politically, but uh, have had a, a number of different careers and experiences, of which I help if you I think if you're ever going to be a representative of the people, it helps to have some life experience to uh, 
to to uh, to relate to uh, the, the differences that uh, government. No, can make Bob, in, you said something that I'm lives. a believer. Uh, you said something I'm a believer in that we've got to get got to get to. You mentioned the word business experience. Um, we, the United States of America has been an influence, especially after World War II, that when we, they went in and, and did have a war with Japan, but they went back in and never expected anything other than getting Japan on its feet with making a business, the economy, to flourish and everybody to be prosperous and healthy. They did the same thing with Germany. They fought in Germany. We lost our troops. But they went back into Germany and they helped Germany pick up the pieces and build their business. There would be no China successful today if it wasn't for the businessman of America. That's right. So our business to run our country, the business of the country, from the government building called the White House, they've got to start realizing it's a business, that we have lost so much respect in the world if we don't look at it like it has to be. Uh, leaders of the world in the business of what we've created to make so many people so successful philanthropically but also prosperously around the world. There'd be no China where it's at today. So I like well, the we, when you we, said, you're yeah, ab- I like the business you said. Correct. Yeah, you're absolutely correct, of course. And we, there, there is no other nation in, in the history of the world to point to that has shared uh, in, in our, our intelligence, our, our capital, uh, our resources, our people, uh, to elevate other nations. Uh, what, what we did in in, uh, in Japan and Germany, as you referenced, and virtually any other nation in the history of the world would have conquered those nations, uh, taken them over, right. and called them their own. Uh, we right. did just exactly well. Ind- the England opposite. did that with Hong Kong. Right, right. Well, it, uh, you're 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 spot on, and. I just feel like uh, I've been very blessed to, to have had the experiences I've had. I had great parents. I, I married a wonderful woman. I've had several careers, and 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 uh, I think it's a, I, I really believe that it's the experience that I've been blessed with that allowed me to be, I, I think, a, a fairly good representative of the people, and I enjoyed it very much, and hopefully maybe one day. I and before we go on to the subject, did you ever operate your business without a business plan written up front? Oh, well, no. <laughs> no, this is absolutely astounding to me. Now, a, bi- a that, business uh, plan is vital, and every home should actually have a business plan uh, that they have. They At least they've studied what they need for the year, the, by the week, month, and by the year. Then they know where they're coming from for the, any surprise that might be that you didn't put into your plan. You can add a couple of pages. And my brother, Bob, was a graduate of the School of Wharton, and Ron Cowan, and with a master's degree and an MBA. Well, he said, too, business plans are hiking trails. They're the way you want to hike. doesn't mean you're going to get the hike the way you want it, but at least you studied before the hike. Well, they're not. you've got to study with a business plan. You can't just throw it up in the air. And another thing we all learn, Bob, is you learned being a banker, you can't throw money at something and make it work. It's got to be a plan. It's got to be a business plan and a budget, and hopefully you can spend the least amount of money to make the greatest amount of values. But back uh, to what you were on here for, uh, you're quite a guy. Um, Tell me about what's happening uh, with the issues of the federal red tape and the environmental regulations for um, the uh, blocking of the water line there you're talking about. Tell us about what that means. Well, this this is quite a story. We've we've heard numerous examples of green at any cost with this administration, whether it's throwing 
tens of billions, hundreds of billions of dollars at, at green energy ideas from the Department of Energy loans and grants or uh, taking thousands, tens of thousands, even millions of acres of federal lands off limits, canceling leases, denying permits for energy exploration. There's all kinds of examples, but one I came across recently, Sharon, uh, I, I think is unfortunately maybe the icing on a very sour cake. This happened in Tombstone, Arizona. It's actually going on right now. Tombstone, of course, is in an extremely arid part of southwestern United States. Very, very dry. So a drop of water there is a precious commodity. And this town has existed for a very, very long while, going back to the old Wild West days, on a supply of water that comes from a mountain canyon above Tombstone. Uh, some, some weather happened. I think it was a flash flood. It caused much of the mountainside to collapse. Some huge boulders, bigger than cars, uh, collapsed and and, uh, and 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 crushed, uh, blocked uh, the water supply. So naturally, the, the folks in Tombstone have got an emergency on their hands. They want to get up there and uh, and repair that. This happens to be on federal land in a federal canyon, and our federal government, Sharon, is denying them access with anything other than than mules and donkeys, wheelbarrows and pickaxes to try to repair their water supply. They won't let them go up there with backhoes or with bulldozers and get the problem fixed. The the Goldwater Institute, God bless them, in Arizona, on behalf of this little town, and and, and by the way, there's only about 1,600 people uh, in all of Tombstone, so these people are trying to take on the federal government. The Goldwater Institute uh, stepped in, filed suit with the government, asking that at least they tell them why they are denying them the access to fix their water system. The federal government says, no, 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 before we even give you a reason, before we even respond to your request for information, we want you to pay us $80,000 because we think that's what it's going to cost us to somehow comply with, just to give you a reason. I mean, it, it, this is a Well, you know, I'm going to get a little, you know, I'm going to come from my side of the coin. I've been sending water for over 30 years all over the world. We've had the heads of the United Nations with water. We've had them at NASA, NOAA, you name them. The, the a book written by Stephen Solomon, well-known all over the world, The Study of Water, and I could go on and on. It sounds like to me almost, and I'm going to be up front, I come, I, I'm, I, I, it sounds like to me almost like a, uh, a uh, Saddam Hussein thing. Do you know the story by Chance Bob when Saddam Hussein was so really angry with the tribes of his country when the Russians left and they had supported the Russians at all? So he goes into their areas and takes away the water by bulldozing it so they would die. Sure. And the thing about it is that animals and the, that they've been living there for uh, tribes for years. But if you want to be ornery to the state of Arizona, oh, about any other issue, start going after all these. Uh, un, uh, un, they seem like they're innocent uh, for whatever excuse or, or means. Their their poor Arizona, it sounds like to me, is getting it from all sides. Oh yes. Whether it's the governor on immigration, uh, their voter identification laws, uh, and now these poor people in Tombstone, Arizona, you're well, absolutely I'm right. upset because want. of the water. I'm the I've yeah. had the head of the watershed from Arizona on here, and uh, but I'm going to tell you um, that is disgusting to me personally. 
because we live in a country where water should be free and water should be accessible to everyone to live and be healthy. And um, and, and there's uh, and there, by the way, for uh, these people having to go up there and do that. I'm surprised that the unions didn't get involved. So you have to be a unionized person to be able to have a job and go right. do this because you need to be qualified to do it. And yet the government is saying you, go, you have to do it this way, which OSHA and ANSI should be uh, upset because these people, it's not, uh, they're having to work at trying to get their water available. And that water, Bob, has to be also influential to everything below it out of that tombstone area anyway. That water is influencing a lot of other areas for water, too. It has to be, right? Well, sure, of course, especially in the in the arid southwest out here. The only way we exist in this kind of climate is by, by precious use, good use, wise use of the limited natural resources, and none more limited and more precious than water. Of course. And, uh, yeah, every, every, every drop that uh, that is out here is used, reused, uh, uh, Recycle, and, and used again. Recycled, out, and, yeah. 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 Uh, it, 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 this, this one confounds me. And, you know, if to, to try to step back and, and look at it through the government bureaucracy's eyes, the Obama administration's eyes for a minute, maybe, maybe there is, some overwhelming reason why they don't want to allow equipment up there to fix this problem. But for heaven's sakes, tell us. Just tell these people in Arizona, tell these people in Tombstone what that reason might be. But but here we've got the federal government saying, no, before we even give you a reason, good reason or bad reason, we want to we want to play the extortion game. That's what this is. Well, uh, Bob, look what happened. I've had in California the heads of on both sides of what happened to the irrigation because of a little fish. And when I had that That's individual right. on here, I said, "But when you stop that irrigation, we had a, a, this governor Brown, the, uh, uh, Governor Brown's father, when he was governor." made that invention possible, those canals. Well, those canals was the greatest invention, and they sh- they're great when they leak. Uh, they're going out into those fields where the California doesn't get a lot of water and keep uh, the soil alive, keep it uh, the, a living soil and keep it fertile, but also m- feed moisture down to those aquifers. Right. I had some, no, hey, uh, the other day yeah. say, well, they believed in the pi- piping and so you don't lose the water. I said, no, no, no. And B- Bob, he, fi- he agreed with me. He said, well, they're getting ready to do piping so they don't have the water leak and lose some of that water. I said, no, no, no. You're hoping you can let it leak. Then it drains down into the aquifers because if you put it in pipes, the aquifers are not going to get enough. Dry up. And look at the fields, uh, look at the uh, fields, well, fields, the dry dirt not such a living soil right now in California, and you probably just heard today, they're doubly more bankrupt than they were uh, in January. They just announced today that they're billions more in trouble. And they could have had that as a resource with all that agriculture. So, and you can't do it without water. You can't even have people living in your state without water. So you're right about those 1,600 people. Yeah, uh, so, a, uh, this, this but again, what what are, what are they doing um, to just? I mean, the time it takes to do the bureaucratic paperwork all every day to keep up with the piles they keep putting on you. Yeah, this this should be seen as a, as an absolute critical public emergency, and do whatever you have to do to get these people's water supply turned back on again. Instead, we've got a federal government 
that is, is denying them uh, the ability to fix fix their own water system. They've got to truck water in. Well, what they'd really like, I think, is to, to have happen, and you alluded to it, I think they'd literally like to see Tombstone dry up and go away. That's what I, I didn't allude to it. <laughs> I said that sounds like what they're trying to do. <laughs> yeah. I, guess, I, guess I mean, exactly it's not funny, trying. audience. I'm not laughing when it comes time for water. Uh, I can hardly wait to get a, do Bob, we have 5,000 children dying a day on our earth without water. Are they causing having wars over that? No. But here we have in the United States of America people living in a community for years, that, and we should be so proud of every community. I wouldn't care if it only had 10 people, and they're trying to, to uh, starve them away from their, where they live. And, and if, there's the first thing you want to do is get, make sure they don't have any water. And, uh, and of course, I was being very blunt, and I, that's how I feel about it, by the way. So, um, well, but makes, again, water is in big no sense. Pardon? It makes absolutely no sense. But this is uh, we, we've seen too many examples from from our government of things that don't make sense. But p- the part of this that 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 I want to reiterate that that is especially infuriating is that they don't even offer a reason. They, they they don't even give a reason to these folks in Tombstone as to why they have invoked some obscure regulation in a in, in a century or a decades old uh, piece of the Wilderness Act. Well, by as, the way, as, Saddam Hussein, if you read the uh, the issue of Water and National Geographic about 2010, I think it was, he didn't give them any reason. He no. just wanted to control them. So and then and we've got that same thing going on. The government does it because the government is the power. We used to be a government of, by, and for the, the people. people. <laughs> for yeah, and and there's nothing more important for Under the God, people than water. The people, yes, yeah, yes. Now we've we've lost our way, Sharon. I'm afraid. No, we haven't. We're going to find our way. That's called no, a business I'm, plan I'm, too. I'm with you. I'm with <laughs> Bob, you that's that. a business plan too. And it's not just business, but business the life of business means the behavior of what what you what you're doing. And uh so it doesn't have to mean you're exchanging money particularly but by the business plan, but it means we will find our way and the plan will be everybody's personal life and their the living life and their gift of life on this earth are to join together and what's most important and most important at the top Bob will never change it's always going to be water first well that's where life begins isn't it it is. In fact, I had yeah. uh, Dr. Dwayne Cecil on here, and he had been with NASA for years and went over to NOAA and now with another big group. But we were talking, and we did a press release on Earth affecting the rest of the solar system by our water on the uh, on Earth plus our moisture in the air affecting the whole solar system. That when they stopped the astronauts going out to space to study, I think everybody thought, well, astronauts were going out to explore those planets and learn about what they could do to have a vacation home in case we decided we don't want to live here all the time. No, they were exploring our life on this earth to live forever from abroad and looking back. Right, and no, and we know, uh, I mean, the foundation of, of, of can life exist anywhere else, the first thing they have to find is evidence that there's water. Uh, water. Without water. Without water, we don't have life. Exactly, and those few pe- those people, that 1,600 people, my gosh, I'd like to have one of them on the show sometime if you, because there's, that's an individual um, on, that's going through this experience, and 
And those women in other parts of the world, Bob, when I had the United Nations on, the head of water issues of the United Nations was on. And we were talking about these women carrying their water yeah, that's, and that's every, an day. every day. Yeah, that's an everyday absolute can't miss, no, no, no breaks. Can't that's miss how they survive. To survive their survive. family. Yes, yes. Now these people uh, that are there are, are they—they're never going to give up. I hope. Well, you know that's the spirit of the old west, and, and and nowhere is it more alive than in Tombstone, Arizona. So no, I don't think they're going to give up, and I'm glad that that somebody like the Goldwater Institute is willing to step forward and take on uh, take on the beast. In this case, the uh, the federal government. Can you imagine uh, a little town like this? Uh, they don't have much resources, and there's only 1,600 of them. Now you get the federal government uh, threatening you, denying your 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 ability. I've um, yeah, this is this is. We only have one minute alive. left, Bob. So uh, where would they go to find out more information? Uh, they can find more at my website, alineofsight.com. Or if you Google Tombstone, Arizona, or go to the goldwaterinstitute.org, you'll, mm-hmm. you'll, get, uh, you'll get information there as well. Okay. Well, God bless, Bob. You're sure doing it, and you've, it looks like you've dedicated your life to what's best for everybody, and you pay it forward. And if you ever want to come on again and talk about it again, but if you want to find me somebody who's experiencing that, uh, one of those people. I'd love to have him on, Bob. If you let could get, do that. Let me get to work on it. I'll see if I can. All right. Well, God you take you. care and have a good week and be well. Thank you very much, Sharon. Nice you to too. have you on. Bye bye. Bye. Well, uh, I it got me upset, everybody, uh, uh, listeners. I will tell you, there's nothing that bothers me, concerns me more than people who need the water, and that's what this show is all about, all over the world. You must get up every morning, have your first glass of water, and have at least eight to ten glasses of water to beat, to have a solvent. It flushes. It's oxygen to flush, detoxify, get rid of the crazy stuff in your arteries, the pipes, I call them. You've got to drink water. Well, if I say to you to drink water and there's no water, I will feel guilty because you've got to have water. You've got to have it. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, with Just a Mist, and we'll be right back with Susan. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to talk. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You're listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Hour at yahoo.com. 
That's Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Susan, are you with us? Yes, I am. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank um, you for having me. Well, uh, you know, I was read about your life. And uh, tell our audience who you are before you begin to teach us about what you've been learning about cancer. Uh, and you have a course called a Source of Cancer Course. I uh, do. But tell us about you first. Yes. Well, I am a survivor, Sharon, of three different cancers. Uh, so, honestly, for much of my adult life, I've either been living with cancer or the threat of cancer or I'm being treated for cancer or recovering from the treatments (laughs) or all of the above. So I consider myself uh, more than anything else right now to be a patient advocate. I want people to benefit from my experience and I want people to learn from my mistakes because I don't want them to make the same mistakes when it comes to cancer. Right. Now, okay. Now, where did you come from? Uh, now, you're, you're in California, right? I am, I am in California. So have yes. you lived there all, all your life? No, actually, I was uh, born in Wyoming, okay. and um, most of my family is still in Wyoming and Colorado, but I came out to California. I went to law school here in California, and I received my uh, bachelor's in psychology here in California. Okay. okay. Okay, uh, I was president of the American Cancer Society here in Oregon um, and sat on the State Board of Health representing them many years ago. So my heart is with you and, and, and cancer survival, but also the, I truly believe that teaching individuals how to deal with cancer and the diagnosis, uh, but, and then also the patient, the person who has it, what do you teach the family so the family moves on with their life while you're trying to battle what you're doing? But back to teaching us today. Teach us, first of all, the, what you have, the cancer, and, and then teach us about what we could do. But also, what I liked what you said, your mistakes, because we all learn, and oh my gosh, what a nice way to learn from somebody else's knowledge. <laughs> well, you know, it's true. I, uh, I like to think that I have learned from these experiences, and I do believe that experience is the best teacher. Now, I didn't volunteer for this position, (laughs) but you know, Sharon, these things happen. These things are a fact of life, and when they do, we simply need to deal with them. Right. We need to learn from them. Am I proud of you? (laughs) And as you just said, we need to find a way to pay it forward. That's what I'm doing with my books. Right. Now, my books are called The Single Source Cancer Course. Mm -hmm. And, oh my gosh, when people think of cancer, they're so overwhelmed with all the information that's out there. What I have tried to do is to take a huge amount of information and distill it to its essence. And then I have organized that material into two books. Now, Volume 1, the first book, is Prevention. Volume 2 is Treatment and Survival. So I have organized it in this way. Um, it's, they are both really two books mm-hmm. of cancer basics, basic mm-hmm. cancer facts. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're teaching the person, okay, um, 
Uh, and, and by the way, you can just keep talking because you're doing really well there. Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, and by the way, I interrupt a lot, but that's okay. I'll just deal with us radio talk it's show. show. We like Cheryl. to interrupt. If you say something, we want to grab it when you said it before, so we don't have to go back and re- remind ourselves what you said. Um, on the, let's start out, for example. Let's start out with a prevention. I think the audience, you know, you probably heard on the national news here in the United States of America, this last week, they were talking about some of the latest evidence uh, of a, a cancer being uh, being caused by an infection. But what are some of the things we can learn to prevent? Oh, there is so much. Besides and, drinking you know, a ton, ton of water. There is so much. And, of course, you've been involved with a cancer organization, so I'm sure well, you're familiar I? with a lot of this, Sharon. But, but, uh, but first, you tell the audience. Yeah. Okay. First of all, it is estimated that one out of every two people on the planet by the year 2020 will have cancer or will have had cancer. And the first thing people must realize is that cancer is a fact of life. It is not going away. Now, we may not always be able to prevent it, but we can certainly prepare for its potential arrival. And the most important thing to know about cancer is prevention. Now, Sharon, this is difficult because, after all, the subject matter here is cancer. My books are not about sex or it's love. Not, yeah, it's not about yeah, <laughs> or getting an allergy no, or, or food or how, how will you, what recipe will you choose. Yeah, I know what you're <laughs> Exactly. It's about cancer. And it's so hard to get people to read a book on cancer. Most people do not want to face anything that they consider to be frightening or unpleasant until they're absolutely forced to do so. In other words, most people don't want to talk about cancer until they've been diagnosed. But you see, what we have to do is turn this around. We want people to be talking about cancer before they're diagnosed, and we want them to be proactive and know the cancer for which they're at risk. Proactive, proactive. Proactive. Well, here's, here's another interesting thing for your audience. Now, of all the cancers in the world today, literally one third of them can be prevented completely prevented by making simple lifestyle changes. And, Sharon, this would include diet, of course. Diet, diet. drinking water at the top and diet second. (laughs) Absolutely. And exercise goes hand in hand with both of those. Fresh air. We want to talk about, you know, tobacco use can be eliminated. I know people hear that all the time, but that is something that That is within the individual We weren't born to be a smokestack, and that's what the body of anybody who smokes is a smokestack. Right. Exactly. We want to limit our alcohol intake. We want to use safe sunscreen measures when we're out in the sun. So these are just very simple lifestyle changes. And if everyone did these things properly, we could reduce the world's cancer population by one-third. Now, that leaves us with two-thirds. We can take this, because prevention is in two layers, you know. As you know, the first layer is making simple lifestyle changes. Now, the second layer of prevention has to do with with cancer screening procedures and early detection, because another third of the world's cancer population can be eliminated by having cancer screening, and by early detection. 
because when a cancer is detected early, it is highly treatable. So think about that. That's two-thirds right there. We could make a huge dent in the cancer population in this world if we just practiced very simple, improved lifestyle changes and underwent regular cancer screening. Let's go back to the uh, – I've had doctors from Harvard. I've, I've had no end of authors on uh, diet. Oh, have you ever read the book, The China Diet? I have not. Okay, you should. I will. Uh, have you read the book on preventative heart disease uh, with Dr. Esselstein? No. Oh, you've got I'm, to. I'll put that on my oh, list. Oh, do, 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 do. Uh, they're uh, diets. And they're, there's, um, and I'm totally convinced they're right. Uh, they, I have one doctor that I know that's an ophthalmologist, surgeon. Well, he had a, a scare and they, uh, almost a heart attack and they put a, a stent in. But then he, the following week or two, he was telling one of his patients, Susan, oh, you know what happened. And the guy said, well, you get the book, The China Diet. Well, next thing you knew, Dr. Payton started in on study. He, he was a former Cornell professor of chemistry before he became an ophthalmologist. So he could see it where it would made sense, that diet. Then he saw the co-author was Dr. Esselstein, and Dr. Esselstein had written a book also on preventative heart disease. Well, Dr. Payton, in his medical practice, he's just hired, I'm so proud of him, that in his clinic, in, he has gotten now a person who used to be a heart surgeon who's now going to be each person, she's retired, and he's sending each one of his patients to sit down with her in his practice, in his office, as soon as they come in as a patient so they can learn how to work at their diet. So he's giving them every benefit to think about the diet. Well, Susan, they have had a woman who had was going to have heart surgery, and then all of a sudden she didn't need it. They've had them lower their blood pressure down to healthy, healthy, no medication. They've had macular degeneration get improved. They've had MS get better. They, I could go on and on and on the different uh, situations where people didn't realize that it was their diet. Absolutely. It is so important. Well, your Absolutely mental crucial. can be is your diet, and and we're made up of uh, eighty to ninety percent water through the body, and it's like a living aquifer in there with these little trillions of cells that get. And Susan, I'm going to talk a little blunt. I've done this even with the United Nations. I said, don't talk lack of sanitation. They have no place to go to the bathroom and even wash their hands. So come on. And then when I talk about the arteries, I said, okay, let's call them the pipes. And there's manure in there. You got to get it out of there, and you can only do it with drinking a lot of water. That's and you right. got to make and, that's, and get that rid of that toxin and eating the proper diet, so it isn't de- causing a dehydration. Because when you add that heat of that toxin, I'm going to call it manure. Manure heats up. They even found out many years ago you could use it in the fields of the for the agriculture. Put manure and hay together. And then all of a sudden till over the soil uh, per season and get more heat to the soil so they can pull more water, humidity out of the air, Susan. So our bodies should be looked at similar. Absolutely. Diet is so important. I mean, we've all heard you are what you eat. It's and it's really, not corny. It's, it's life not corny. It's not an adage. It is the truth. It's You're life absolutely or right. And it's so important in the prevention of cancers as well. And, you know, this is something that I also talk about in my books because, as I said, the first volume is prevention. So what I try to do, what I've tried to organize for people 
so that it's that it's user friendly is I first uh, take all those things. There are 13 different areas, Sharon, that are universally accepted to be uh, causes of cancer or areas that seem to be linked to developing cancers. We talk about those areas. There are 13 of them. And we talk about them thoroughly, and then we talk about the major cancers that are implicated by each. For example, diet, all of the major cancers that can be influenced, as you just said, by diet, by what we eat. And then once someone has a firm foundation and understanding of both of those areas, then I actually have in my book, In Prevention, a pen to paper exercise where, one, the reader can go through step-by-step and help evaluate their own risk for certain cancers. And then, once they've done that, they should go to their doctor, sit down, talk to him or her, talk about the risks you may have for certain cancers, and then come up together with a wonderful routine, a schedule of screening procedures that fits you as an individual. Because remember, Sharon, everyone is different. Oh, my gosh. The moment you were born and you left the mother's womb of that water and you entered into the delivery room with no more water around you for the rest of your life except for the humidity and the water you drink, is uh, no two, uh, there are no two eyes alike. There are no two fingerprints alike. We are all dehydrating differently, Susan. Yes, and we all have different physical bodies exactly. and different needs, and we have to remember that in our everyday life. I and think, so the, when I it think comes, the example on top of all of that, mm-hmm. also, why do, why do people think we all have a little different look, a little difference to look at? We can rec- people to recognize somebody because they look a little different than the other person. It's because of that. Of course. Dehydration. Yes, yes, of course. It's all so important. And remember, these are very simple changes that people can do. And you know, so, and, and by and the way, this is, this is important, Sharon, because say someone has a wonderful diet and they drink plenty of water and they have a wonderful exercise program and they don't smoke and all of these things and they are still diagnosed with a cancer, don't think that those preventative measures have failed. Right. Exactly. They have succeeded. I'm glad you said that. That's Please right, because your body is going to be in such better shape better to withstand shape. the cancer or any other disease and also the treatments that may be required. Right, right. So it just keeps us... And you know strong. the other thing, Susan, uh, we're learning in research. My field has been in dehydration studies for so long now and water research, but the other thing is is we've got to learn, okay, drink a lot of water. That's the solvent that the earth made possible with nature. Then uh, the other one is our diet is vital, and we're now learning that raw vegetables and fruit and and staying away from too much carbohydrate at all, but say sugar is a dehydrator. Uh, but also then uh, getting plenty of sleep. Uh, they always forget, Susan, that if you're not sleeping well and you want to take medication to sleep, that's a no. That's a no. No, you've got to learn how you per- individually can learn to sleep. You need a lot of good rest, healthy rest. Earth made it possible for nighttime Susan to come to play. The darkness came. That gave Earth a chance to rejuvenate. It's damper outside at night when the Earth is darker so it can rejuvenate. Earth also made possible with nature and the will of the, all that faith is the fact that when you go to bed at night, you have to teach yourself how you are going to sleep. 
to get your rest. Mm -hmm. It's so important to rejuvenate. I love that. Yes, and you know, we're all on the same cycle. Right. Nature, human beings. We're all on the same wildlife. hours a day. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Exactly. Okay, now when a person gets cancer, you've told us about, and I always look at it this way, all of us should have a log, a little book like a diary that keep track of our health and our issues, and when we go to the doctor, we should carry it with us. So you're saying that if you get cancer, uh, how how do you re, how do you work with your doctor and 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 then you know the other thing I'm going to bring this up before I go further uh, don't let me forget before we're done I want to bring up how you work with the family because that's always been a concern for me when I was president of American Cancer Society I remember one time oh I was founder of my hospital auxiliary in town here too and one of my uh, ladies in the hospital auxiliary called and she said Sharon I was just diagnosed with cancer it wasn't what they thought it was cancer. And now they're only giving me maybe three months to live, so I'm my family I'm bringing together. And Sharon, I want to give you something as a gift for me uh, before we start handing out all these things. And I said, her name was Jean Lovejoy. I said, Jean, and Susan, I said, Jean, you fire the doctor if you're not comfortable. You get a new doctor. You tell the families to stay away, and you go to battle. And Susan, she started what's called the Lovejoy Hospice here. Excellent. Yeah, isn't that exciting? So anyway, uh, and she did it for. She lived for a few years, and uh, and I don't think it was the, actually the cancer that took her. Her husband died before she passed away, and she went. She was an older lady, but the thing about it is, is the family. Mm-hmm. You know, the family is always wanting concerning because it's hard on them. They can't do anything much to help you. Well, that's true. Um, now, first of all, what you said about fire your doctor if you're uncomfortable, absolutely. One thing I advocate above everything else is take responsibility for your own life and your own health. Exactly. You know your body better exactly. than anyone else. Excellent. And if you think anything is wrong, anything at all, you go in. Have a discussion with your doctor. If you're not comfortable, find another doctor. Find take a doctor. charge. Yeah, you're right. It's so important that they have a relationship with the medical t- team, let's call it the team, that you become a team member of the medical team, but you're the boss. You You need to be in control of your diary. Yes, absolutely. And then when it comes to family, when it comes to friends, you know, my the second volume of my book is Treatment and Survival, and I have big, long sections in there, uh, Sharon, because it's not a simple task. And unfortunately, you know, we don't have uh, enough time this morning to really uh, talk about that. It's, it's difficult. Uh, family members always want to help. I think the best advice I could give is everyone needs to be fully informed. The patient needs to be fully informed. That's why cancer information is so necessary. Mm-hmm. And it's better to have it before you need it. Mm-hmm. Once you're diagnosed with cancer, you have very little time to collect your thoughts and collect information, and and you know the, everything is in disarray. Well, your mind is startled, and you're dealing with um, um, an emotional lack of focus for a while. That's how right. long? How long? By the way, that's a good one. When you were diagnosed the first time. How long did it take you to figure out how to grab the bull by the horn and and you were going to be in control of this? Oh, Sharon, I, I never did, and that's the problem. Uh, I've had three different cancers. With my first one, 
I had no idea I was at risk for this. It was colon cancer. I was half the age of the typical person who is diagnosed with that particular cancer. I had no idea it ran in my family. I had no idea I was at a high risk for that disease. So it caught me completely by surprise. Mm -hmm. As a result, I had to have major surgery. I had chemotherapy for a year, and I underwent radiation. And it took me years to recover. Right. And that's what we want to avoid. If I had known that I had a risk, a family risk, for that particular cancer, I could have been monitoring for it. Mm -hmm. And I could have caught it early. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference now with my third cancer, which was breast cancer. Mm -hmm. I knew I had a risk for that. So I have been monitoring for that. I have a condition called fibrosis of the breast. Mm -hmm. It's very dense breast tissue, so it puts me at a higher risk. But so when I was diagnosed with that breast cancer, it was not a big surprise, and I was in charge from the very beginning. Good for you. Congratulations. But that's the difference, and it's a learning curve, and I don't want people to go through that learning curve. As you said, I want them to be in charge from the very beginning. Right. Right. That's exciting, too, because I've said to the world, uh, Susan, it's exciting to be vain. It's your life. Absolutely. It's it's your life. Susan, I want to bring the word vain back to people's lives, to be uh, respectful to other people's lives at all times. Why would we get mad at another human being? Because we should be respectful. They're going to have a different opinion. But when it comes time for your own life, vanity is vital to how valuable you find that you, this is your life, this is your mission, this is your gift. And it's not corny. It's, it's enjoyable. It's, it becomes a hobby. It is. And it, it is isn't, self, it, it isn't become selfish way, or anything. But Yes, and not only do you know your body more than anyone else, but your body is more important to you than it Let's was Let's say you, you may know your else. rhythm of the body. Yes. People forget we're on our, you know, we're talking about search engine optimism and algorithm nowadays. Maybe people will have learned. We have had a rhythm in our body since man was originated. That's why we love music. That's why we love certain climate changes. We're on a rhythm. And once you feel your own rhythm, you've got something to offer to you getting to know who you are. Mm-hmm. Well, Susan, we're out of time. It's, we'll do it again if you don't mind. Cause oh, I'd, I'd love to do it again. Oh, I'd love I'd... to do it. So and and, and, we, and where do they go to find you? Well, go to my website, which is simply my name, Sharon. It's S W I L K I N G H O R A N S Wilkingharan dot com. That's my website. They can find more information, and then there's a direct link that will take them right into Amazon if they should wish to purchase the books. All right. Well, you, thank you for joining us, and let's do this again. This is Sharon for the world. We we got a lot of other ways to think of it than just the cancer. Uh, there's health issues here that people need to be proactive about. Oh, oh, yes, there are. I couldn't agree more. Well, you and take care. I of wish yourself. you good luck and good health. And you, you be well. <laughs> thank, <laughs> thank you for you. joining us. Bye bye. Bye. Well, at the end of my shows, I have a habit of saying wow, and I think both of these guests today came on with topics and issues, yes, of water issues and and all with our planet Earth and how we're going to live on the planet Earth to keep it alive. And then also with Susan uh, on the diseases that we get. And, and some of those diseases can be prevented if you drink a ton of water. And it's not, it's not, it, it is a fact. It is the truth. It's nothing but the truth. Drink uh, eight to ten glasses of water. 
But Earth cannot live without it either, or there will be no Earth. And let's start thinking about how exciting it is to make Earth be here for eternity. I want to thank you for listening. And Earth has a secret. Embrace your life. You be vain. It's your life. But it doesn't mean you be disrespect or or be self-indulgent, but just means value the rhythm of your life and embrace somebody else's life too. But Earth has a whisper. I've said this since I started this show. It whispers, don't say goodbye. Stay behind. Leave something behind. Pay it forward. I want to thank you for listening. You have a nice day and be well. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to listen and talk. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com.